Melissa Bonzak, author of the June Nash Adventure Series, and when I'm not writing, I'm reading. I started this show to rave about new discoveries, chat with indie and small publishing house authors, and occasionally share from my works in progress. This is Books Cubed, interviews, raves, and reads. Good adventures, everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of Books Cubed. Today, I have a real treat for you. I have the author of a fantastic series about ballroom dancing werewolves. And there's paranormal stuff too, but the fact that these werewolves are ballroom dancing, I absolutely love. And it's what got me reading the books in the first place. And I'm having a blast reading them. Her name is Lori Drake, and the series is called Grant Wolves. And there'll be links in the show notes for you to find the books. And she is a lot of fun. I know her online through one of our writing communities. And um, it was just so much fun to talk to her face to face. So I hope you enjoy this and I will see you afterward. Let me read you just a real quick little thing about Lori. Lori Drake writes from her home office and assorted coffee shops around Austin, Texas. When not busily writing or editing, she enjoys reading, video games, fiber arts, and playing with kittens. These are all mutually exclusive activities, no matter what the kittens would have you believe. Welcome, Lori. Hello. Hello. And um, I, uh, I told Lori that I'm doing something a little different in the last couple of shows. I'm having uh, authors read a little bit from their books to kind of entice you and give you an idea of what their books are about. Uh, you can just listen to me tell you it's great, but it's a little more fun to get a little bit of a taste for the book with an excerpt. So uh, Lori writes Paranormal and it's Werewolves. So tell us just a little bit about the book. And then if you're ready, just go ahead and launch into the reading. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. It's great to be here and nice to see you face to face. We talk a little bit online, so. <laughs> we do, we do. Um, so my book is, as you said, Urban Fantasy Werewolves. Um, it's about a family of werewolves that are also a pack. Um, and my book, the first book, centers around um, the death of one of the pack members who ends up coming back as a ghost. So he's trying to solve his own murder with the help of his best friend uh, and his family. So, and I thought that it would be fun to let you have a little hand in picking the excerpt. Oh, so you said you didn't want spoilers, so everything is from the first half of the book. Good. I offer you drama, action, or humor. Oh, how about action? All right, I action. Like action scenes. Okay. So this scene takes place after the funeral. So uh, the main character is Joey, and uh, she has gone home uh, after her uh, best friend's funeral to just sort of see what to do next. Where do I want to start this? Uh, let's start it. Okay. Joey threw together a quick sandwich, then headed down the hall to trade her funeral attire for a short black skirt and a shimmering gold halter top. She wasn't dressing to impress, but she needed something that would blend in with the crowd and, most importantly, breathe. In the bathroom, she pulled her long red hair up into a high ponytail and touched up her eyeliner before applying dark red lipstick. She could almost hear Chris teasing her about vamping it up for the club. This one's for you, babe, she said, into the empty room, swallowing a sudden lump in her throat. A wave of moroseness made her briefly consider staying in after all, but she pushed it aside. She was halfway down the hall with dancing shoes in hand when a knock on the door sounded. 
Coming, she called, wondering who it could be. A neighbor with a casserole? Did people actually do that? Another spate of knocking followed, louder this time. Joey, open up, it's me, Ben called from the other side. Frowning, Joey threw the bolts and yanked the door open. What the hell are you? The question died on her lips as she took in the sight of her brother standing on the doorstep. Another rose in its place. Is that a dog collar? Ben smiled one of his easy smiles, brown eyes twinkling as he struck a pose, flexing a fishnet sleeved arm. What do you think? Will it make the boys howl? The other hand held a bottle of something or other in a brown paper bag. Joey narrowed her eyes, but stepped aside so he could enter. He did, skin-tight black leather pants creaking. I think you're a lunatic. How did you even know I was going out? She shut the door and scooped her shoes up off the floor. Bitch, please, he said, smirking as he sauntered toward the kitchen. Everyone has their own way of dealing with shit. You dance. If you, if you hadn't figured that out on your own, I would have dragged you out anyway. Following her brother into the kitchen, Joey leaned against the counter and watched as he pulled a bottle of expensive scotch out of the bag and fetched a juice glass from the cupboard. I don't even like scotch, she said. Smirking, he spilled a bit of the amber liquid into the glass before glancing over at her again. You deal with shit your way and I'll deal with it mine. He lifted the glass in salute, then tossed back its contents without flinching. Licking his lips, he poured himself another. You're driving, get your shoes on. By the time they got to the club, it was almost nine o'clock. She had no designs on getting laid, so she'd let Ben pick the venue. It wasn't her first visit to a gay club with him and was unlikely to be her last. She loved the atmosphere of places like that, where everyone was able to let their hair down and just be who they were without judgment and unrestrained. The place was packed and the music was loud. The dance floor was so full that the writhing masses spilled out onto the walkways between tables. Everywhere bodies were moving. The air was heavy with the scent of alcohol, smoke, and sweat. Ben headed for the bar while Joey melted into the crowd. There in the dark, with the strobing lights and pulsing techno beats, she let her body move. This was not the precise controlled dancing she did for a living. It was more primal, raw. She moved through the club, dancing out her grief, sometimes by herself, sometimes with a partner. Male, female, it didn't matter. She wasn't there to make a connection. She just wanted to move. She danced until her skin listened with sweat and then danced some more. For a while, she forgot everything else. There was a certain peace that came along with thinking of nothing but the music, of moving one's body to the rhythm. She dove headfirst down that rabbit hole and didn't come up again for quite a while. When she finally decided to belly up to the bar, she was well and truly parched, but felt more alive than she had in days. There was no guilt. Chris would understand more than anyone he would understand. Turning away from the bar with her club soda, she let her eyes rove the club in search of Ben. It was difficult to see much on account of her diminutive stature. Maybe that's why her eyes lifted to check out the second floor balcony. It wasn't Ben that she found there. A chill went down her spine. Standing there on the balcony, looking down at her, was the man from the cemetery. Their eyes met, and she quickly looked away, sipping her drink under a pretense of scanning the crowd. When she glanced up again, seconds later, he was gone. Alarmed, Joey abandoned her glass besides a few other empties on an unoccupied table and started searching for Ben. Her eyes scanned the crowd urgently, but unless she stood on a chair or something, she didn't have a whole lot of hope of finding him. Ben, she called, but her shout was swallowed by the music. Halting, she turned in a slow circle. The crowd pressed in around her. Her heart thumped in her ears. Her lungs struggled to draw breath and her control slipped. The noise, the smells, it all started to overwhelm her. Then she saw him, not Ben, but the stranger. He was headed through the crowd toward her. Their eyes met. It was now or never, fight or flight. Her nails bit into her palms as she clenched her fists, turning to meld into the crowd once more. 
Moving toward the back of the club, she found the back door under a clearly marked exit sign and spilled it out into the alley behind it. It wasn't well lit and stank of urine and refuse. She filled her lungs with the night air, stench and all, and looked up at the moon. It wasn't full anymore, but it was still damn close. Her body tingled as she positioned herself beside the door, counting the seconds until it opened again. If he thought she'd be easy pickings, he had another thing coming. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, now, this, this one is your first series, right? The, uh, yes. I always want to call it Drake. <laughs> that's your last name that's the, that's your last name girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no. think there's another uh, there is a series out there that's Drake Wolves that I didn't discover until after I'd published oh of course it was very amusing <laughs> uh, it, of course of course so this is the first series there's four books in the series yes there's currently four um, but the there will be more so there will be more <laughs> how many do you think that you'll is it going to be Chris her name totally escapes Joey. me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Joey. Joey, God, I know that. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot my husband's name once. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, um, I'm terrible with names. But uh, is, it, is it her and Chris in every book together? Well, how spoilery do you want to get? Oh, not too spoilery. <laughs> yeah, not too spoilery. You better not tell me. Better not tell anybody. I think I, I will. I will say that the book, the series, does follow the same characters in general. <laughs> that's it's good. Follows the Grant Wolves, so we'll go with that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. What what prompted you? I know this wasn't on your. I we talk about questions ahead of time, but I'm going to throw it for a loop here. Okay. So, what prompted you to go with werewolves? Well, that's kind of a funny story, actually. Um, I usually don't write werewolves. Actually, um, as far as supernatural creatures go, I'm much more attuned toward vampires uh, than werewolves. Um, but I wanted to do something different for um, National Novel Writing Month many, many years ago. And I got this crazy idea for a pair of werewolves that were ballroom dancers. And that's kind of how it started. Um, I was thinking about, you know, oh, they have, they're super graceful and fast and they'd have this edge in competition and, and things of that nature. And I had a friend who, um, she's not quite werewolf phobic, but she has like issues with werewolves and their transformations. They really weird her out. So she can't handle like the movies where you see like the profile of the human head turning into a wolf in profile. And it just drives her crazy. So I wrote this book for her and I actually dedicated the first book to her. Um, and my wolves do not have an in-between half human, half wolf form. They just, it's magical. So they just kind of shimmer and then there's a wolf. <laughs> oh, nice. I bet she appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, she did. And she was dubious about it at first, but I said, no, you have to read it. And she actually had read the whole book before she realized that I dedicated it to her. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, you know, when you open up your Kindle, if you read on Kindle, it takes you right yeah. to the first chapter and you miss, and I always go backward because I like to look at the cover again and I like to see any dedications and any, any notes that the author has written. Sometimes they're in the front and sometimes they're in the back. Yeah. And, um, uh, so, so yeah, so the Kindle kind of pushes yeah. it there. So not everybody sees that. Oh, I like that. That's, that's really good. That's really good. So <laughs> you said you write other stuff. Do you have other published or, Let's jump right into what I like to do when I talk to authors is help people get to know them a little bit better. So uh, there's a set of 50 questions that, and I'm going to forget his name, but it's in the show notes if you're interested. He came up with these brilliant 50 questions. I think there's even more. 
things that authors don't normally get asked. And I loved all these questions. So I send them to the authors ahead of time and ask them to pick out five. So that brings us to the first one, which is written on my wall here somewhere. Ah, so if you're like me, I have boxes of partially written scripts and screen and, uh, and novels that will never see the light of day. How many unwritten manuscripts do you think you have in your house? Um, not as many as you might think. Um, I have two finished books that have not been edited. Um, that one of which I wrote before the first Grant Wolves book and one of which I wrote after. Um, but that one will eventually be the start of a new series. The first one may never see the light of day. And I have one uh, book in a, of a spinoff from Grant Wolves already written. Um, but that's not ready yet. So. Yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'd say I have I have three complete um, novels in the in the drawer, so to speak, the digital drawer. That uh, at least two of which will probably get published at some point. Ah, uh, so you're just going to set them aside for a while and then revisit them later. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're writing, when you're publishing as an indie and you're writing in a series, you really want to keep going in that series and not kind of divide your attention between a bunch of different things. And I am really bad about dividing my attention. So I've tried really hard to just focus on Grant Wolves and get that, you know, out there. And then I'll pick, you know, what's going to be next. That's very, very smart to do. Now, you read the one scene, which was great. There's lots of good action <laughs> scenes in here. So sometimes, you know, people are reading the books and, and they don't realize that there's things that authors take out things that either slow it down or send you in a direction you don't want to go. So for this particular book, was there anything in particular that you, that didn't make it into the final cut that maybe that you're sad about, or maybe you're happy about? Um, yes, there is. In fact, um, it's not so much something I took out as something I really changed. I completely changed the ending of the book. Um, depending on how far you are in the book, there's a scene on a bridge um, involving a uh, car accident. And uh, no, I'm not there yet. Well, originally that the that scene led directly into the finale of the book. And when I was editing, I was like, you know what? There needs to be more. So I set it up as there was I, I needed it to be like a try fail moment instead of a try succeed moment. So I let them fail. And then that led into a whole other you know, probably another 20,000 words after that, uh, worth of, of story. Wow. So, so that's yeah, this is actually a pretty long book. I mean, this, um, Grant Wolves number one is about a hundred thousand words, which is pretty long for urban fantasy. Um, but I, I love the rest of it so much. I couldn't take anything out. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Which was, which was, um, <clears throat> Oh, which we just talked about. I'm going to take mm -hmm. this note down. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, that brings us to another one that sometimes there's scenes that are just so hard to write and you've got them, you've got them outlined. Are you an outliner? Yes and no. I, I tend to go about halfway with outlining and the rest of it is just kind of by the seat of my pants. Yeah. You know, I have my basic outline. When I was a screenwriter, it was very anal about my outright outlining because you only have so much real estate in a screenplay. And everything has to lead to, I mean, everything has to work and you can't have anything extra. And um, so, but with books, you know, you can do a basic outline and then you can kind of deviate from it and play around and stuff. But sometimes there's scenes that I will write, 
you know, the one line of what the scene is and I will wait forever to write that scene. So do you, do you have anything like that? Was there anything in this book that was particularly hard to write? Um, in this book, I hope so. I mean, well, the, 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 the final battle in this book was hard to write. Um, just because there was a lot going on. I had a lot of moving parts all happening at the same time and I had to figure out how to change up the battle a little bit so that I wasn't having to do too many things at once. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to scenes that are really hard, that are just hard to write, I would say the hardest one I've done so far is actually in book four. And that scene took me a very long time. It is, I don't, I won't do any spoilers, but it's a eulogy um, for someone who died uh, at some point previous. And um, because of my, you know, I mean, I don't want to be spoilers. So I'll say that, you know, it was hard to write because I kept thinking about the person that is that relationship to me. So I was thinking about, well, what if I had to write a eulogy for this other person? And it was just like, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm trying to write this eulogy for this character. And it was just really hard because there was so much that the character giving the eulogy wanted to say that, well, even would want to say to the person who had died and hadn't had a chance to. So it was just kind of a really poignant kind of scene for me to write. And I was like, man, I hope I don't have to write this eulogy for a really long time. <laughs> you know, I think um, sometimes the, the ones that are the hardest, we put them more of ourselves into them and it becomes better mm -hmm. uh, in the long run. You know, yeah. sometimes you can knock a scene out, you know, and I, um, I think my first chapter in my, in my, in my first book I wrote in like 10 minutes and nothing changed, and I kept looking at it going, God, it can't be that easy. Well, no, it wasn't <laughs> after that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fluke. It was never that easy ever again. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> which brings us to the whole process of writing. Mm -hmm. So after you wrote the first book, was there, and now for me, my first book I wrote was a NaNoWriMo in 2004. Mm -hmm. I set it aside for 10 years, and I returned to screenwriting. And then eventually um, I had enough of not making any money as a screenwriter and said, and there were some other things that happened. I'll tell you if you buy me a drink in Chicago. And uh, <laughs> so then uh, I said, I got to write books. So a lot of stuff changed from the time, this first one that I wrote, and I'm writing the second and third one right now. Mm -hmm. So after you wrote the first one of the Grant Wolf series, what changed about your process? Well, I would say um, it wasn't so much writing the book that changed my process as publishing the book. Um, because that book, I wrote that the first draft of that book in 30 days because it was a nano novel to start with. That's right. And yeah. it was not 100K at the end of November. It was, I think it was 60 something at the end of November. But like I said, I added quite a bit when I edited. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but, but editing that book <clears throat> probably took me about maybe eight months um, of work. And then I published it in September of 2017. And after that, I was like, I have to get this down so that I can publish again soon. And I decided I wanted to do four month increments. So I'm like, well, you know, let's shoot for, you know, January. I didn't make it. It was February before the next book came out. But I, but I learned that I could, that I could write it in, you know, 30 to 45 days and then have a couple of months to edit it and make changes and whatnot. And as long as I was tighter on my structure and I had the experience of of editing the first books so I knew all the notes that I needed to hit. Um, that was really helpful. So it was just that, you know, going from just writing for pleasure and editing at my own pace 
to having deadlines to worry about and wanting to make sure that I was fulfilling promises to readers. And that really changed my writing process. It made me tighten it up a lot. Yeah, you know, suddenly it becomes, <clears throat> like you said, writing for yourself. And then all of a sudden you've got fans and they want that next book. Yeah. And uh, there's a lady I see all the time down at where my mother lives and she sees me all the time and she says, when is the next book coming out? I'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to go right right now. So I'm trying to get myself more, it, it, think about it as a business, which right. we really need to. As indie authors, you have to think about it as a business and it has to be, uh, you know, your nine to five job, you dress for it, you have a dedicated workspace or a dedicated coffee shop, probably in our case. Mm -hmm. I can't write at home because of Netflix. <laughs> yeah, a variety of reasons for me, including cats. Well, yeah, you, for you, I used to have a... a little dog. So mm -hmm. I would sit with my computer and she would jump in my lap and lay across the keyboard. <laughs> and so she was like, she thought she was a cat. She would sleep on the coffee table. She's a dog. Anyway. Yeah. So and on the back <laughs> of the couch, but she was a little dog. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I, I couldn't write at home either. So yeah, I do. I do most of my writing in coffee shops really. It's just, it's easier for me to get in kind of a work headspace when I'm out of my home, even though I have a very nice office in my house. That's nice. I was yeah. that a picture of Wonder Woman behind you on the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got my Wonder Woman doll in the kitchen. Uh, so when I'm washing dishes, I'm looking at her and she's making me feel powerful. So you stand there Wonder and think with your hands, fists on your hips and be like. Oh. Yes, I saw. I was going to ask if you had a Wonder <laughs> Woman shirt on. Normally I have, um, I almost wore it. I have my Marvel shirt with all the various women um, on it. My daughter got me that in a cape for Mother's Day one year. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, brings us to money. What do we spend our money on as writers? Mm -hmm. You know, I, whenever I'm out, I always think to myself, whatever I buy, I divide it by however many books it takes me to reach that amount. And oh my gosh, really, you know, it really <laughs> makes me think I have to sell this many books to afford whatever item I want. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, it really helps me not buy things. So, <laughs> So here's a question. What's the best money you ever spent as a writer? And I'm glad that question hasn't haunted me yet, but it might now that you've mentioned it. <laughs> Every time I'm at the coffee shop ordering tea, like how many books might I have to sell to pay for this tea? Um, <laughs> uh, I would say it's a toss up. Um, the two most valuable purchases I made. One of them is definitely my book formatting software. Um, I love it. And it's made my life so much easier. What do you use? And, I use vellum. Oh, me too. I love vellum. Yeah, yeah I don't, it's just, I, yeah, before I was way over my head and it was just driving me crazy. And I'm a tech savvy person, but wow. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one would probably be, um, I've done a couple of recent um, like writer's retreats recently. Um, and probably the, the first one that I did, um, Night of the Writing Dead, was an amazing experience. I mean, they were both really good. I just picked that one because it was the first one. Um, and it was cheaper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you went out. No, it was, it was really good. It was a great way to meet other authors that are interested in the genre that I'm interested in. I don't write in post-apoc right now, but I might in the future because um, I really enjoy it. And I have a lot of, I have a few stories in mind for things I could do in the future down the road. But uh, we'll just have to see. Maybe I'll do like a post-apoc urban fantasy. It'll be like the world ending with witches and wyverns. And, yeah, or, or do something that is not really out there. There's somebody... Maybe I heard it on the Career Author podcast. Somebody, or maybe it was Joanna Penn's. Somebody writes 
romance, post-apoc romance. And oh, yeah. The, I've I read some post-apoc romance. I'm yeah. It's a very small niche. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of it out there. Yeah, and so they, um, they really I own the corner. It. I feel like I've read every post-apoc romance book ever because there aren't very many of them, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so you could take your ballroom dancing werewolves into the post-apoc world. You know, you, you laugh, but I actually considered turning this, this series into, into like a, maybe not a post-apoc series, but I've, I considered it one time um, transitioning it from everything is secret to everybody knows. That kind of Ooh, like kills. <laughs> natural apocalypse. So yeah, and I like that. And you could also do like a futuristic series. Mm -hmm. So this is the future, you know, mm -hmm. the Grant Wolves five thousand years in the future, or whatever. Yeah, one of my one of my unpublished manuscripts could potentially take place in the Grant Wolves universe in the in the future. So. We'll see. Ah, that's good. That's good. I can just, I can visualize the people with, you know, all the nuclear waste in the background and their ballroom dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I love, I really love, I think that's what really got me really liking the books with the fact that they're dancers. And like you, you mentioned earlier, they're wolves. They're going to be, they're going to be able to move, you know, well. So it just really mm -hmm. makes sense that they would be ballroom dancers. Yeah. I just, I started with, you know, a couple of, uh, of main characters who aren't the, you know, kick-ass fighters that are very common in the genre. So they have to work their way up to being badasses, but they start out as badasses on the ballroom. That's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> and so your fifth book in the series, when is that one coming out? Next year. I don't have an exact date yet because um, I'm working on something else. Um, but it will be probably summer, I would imagine. Okay. Well, when it comes out, the week it's going to be coming out, come on, on again. And, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, I try to give away books periodically on here. So, uh, I'll do a giveaway of that book. Okay. When you, when you come, when it's getting ready to come out and for anybody who comments on the podcast or the YouTube show, I'll throw all your names in a hat and I'll draw one name and you can get Lori, the first book in Lori's series. I will e-copy you, send you an e-copy uh, as long as you're in any part of the world where you can get an e-copy of her book. Uh, what was the title again of the first one? I'm terrible. Early Grave. Early Grave. God, I'm, I'm so terrible. In my book series, the girl can't remember anybody's names and that's like a trait for me. And she calls <laughs> weird, weird nicknames all the time. So, so anyway, so comment you and I'll throw them all in a hat and let's see it is let's see this show is going to go up let me look at the calendar real quick this show is going to go live on the 6th of December so if you comment between now and the 12th of December I will pick a name at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on December 12th and you could win an ebook copy of the first book in the Grant World series Early Graves that's it, right? Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. Well, that's about, you know, my, my son and I started wa watching Walking Dead mm -hmm. back when it premiered all that time ago on Halloween or whatever. Yeah. And so for years, I said it wrong. I never could get the title wrong. And then I finally realized what the title was, but then I couldn't say it correctly because it made him crazy anyway, and it was fun to make him crazy. So, <laughs> so I'm, he's not listening, I'm sure. So... <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, so thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm going to get to meet Lori in person in May. We're doing the summer book show in May. Oh, we're not doing, we're going, we're not doing. <laughs> We're going to be participants, meeting all kinds of people, and um, I'm going to bring all my equipment and maybe do a couple of shows from Selmore Book Show with just a bunch of interesting authors that I'm sure I'll be meeting. So, um, so that I like to do this so that people, I started this so people could care about all the books that I was reading that were so great. You know, I joined uh, Mark Dawson's group a couple of years ago, and I've just been meeting so many interesting people and reading so many great books, and I thought, this is crazy. Somebody needs to be talking about these books. And I'm sure people are talking about them, but I thought I'm going to talk about them too. So anyway, this is good. And uh, thank you for coming on today. And um, I will see you soon, I'm sure. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lori. If you are interested in getting into the drawing to win a copy of that first book, you just need to comment on the show. Uh, between now and December 12th at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And then I will pick a winner and I will let everybody know who won in uh, the show on December 13th. So uh, next week I have, um, oh, you're going to love this. I have Carrie Pack is returning and she has a fantastic Christmas horror story. So come back for that. You will absolutely love it. She's going to read a sample from it. and. Um, you will love, uh, we're going to chat about Christmas and all kinds of horrible things. So please come back for that. And uh, that is it. Um, go out and read a good book. <laughs>